Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with the Telegraph and Mitsubishi Motors. The Rugby World Cup, well it's underway and what an opening weekend it was in Japan. England picked up the required bonus point against Tonga but the performance left a lot to be desired against a side which was ranked 15th in the world. Former England hooker and World Cup finalist George Shooter will join us later to explain where Eddie Jones' side can improve in their next game. Ireland laid down a marker in their clash with Scotland on Sunday morning. Is this the time of return to form for Joe Schmidt's side? Or were Scotland just absolutely crap? There's no other word for it, is there? We'll be joined by the former Leinster and Munster player and Irish Times journalist Liam Toland, who will reflect with us on that game. The pick of the opening weekend's ties was obviously on Saturday morning in Yokohama as the defending champions New Zealand saw off the challenge of South Africa. But both teams looked sharp, potential finalists, and we'll be speaking with the former All Black Zinzan Brook about how the New Zealand public are feeling after that win. But first up, Wales have opened their campaign with a win over Georgia. Delighted to say we have the former Wales and British and Irish Lions fullback in the studio dates, Lee Byrne. Hello, Lee. Hello, Brian. A welcome return to try scoring for Wales. That, to me, was the most important thing. There's been a dearth of those. How would you rank the opening performance? Yeah, uh, just like you said, you know, six tries. I can't remember the last time Wales scored three tries in a game, let alone six. So, you know, for me, it was it was a positive. Um, you couldn't really, you know, looking at that second half, you couldn't really take much out of it. Apart from Georgia, didn't go five phases without over five phases. When you come up against Fiji and Australia, you know they're going to be going 15, 20 phases, you know, frequently. So the only person who'd be happy with that today would be Sean Edwards, a defensive <laughs> coach, because uh, they had a good workout off the Georgians. Um, the players were blowing. They've got, they found their lungs, their humidity, you know, and they'd be happy with that first game, I think. Well, the ideal build-up wasn't there because the injury to Gareth Anscombe in particular and the little bit about the controversy betting stuff around Rob Howley. What on earth do you make of that? Very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I'm the same as everybody else. It's allegations at the moment. Um, what I can say, I think the, the WRU were done well in, you know, swiftly, um, you know, going out there and remo- removing any doubts of you know before it all got out of hand and uh, you know that's what they did the players were unsettled obviously by today's performance um, it was all dealt with really 
quickly um, and, and fair play to them so until these allegations come to light you know we can't comment on it it's just uh, yeah we didn't think it'd be ideal but Wales showed today that you know they're, they're here for the tournament and moving on uh, didn't you and Rob have a bit of a falling out? <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's in my book if you want to buy it. But uh, <laughs> I won't say no more. I'll leave it. Leave you buy the book. You can get it in Tesco's for a pound now in the bargain bucket. But um, yeah, we did after the World Cup 2011. Yeah, I went to Clermont. Uh, my international career sort of faltered and I never played for Wales again. Actually, after the 2011 World Cup. So yeah, pretty grim memories. Well, Stephen Jones uh, be drafted in to replace Howley. I mean, you obviously know him as a player and a person. Uh, what sort of difference will he bring to what Howley would have brought? Oh, I think it's really soon that they're going to be changing anything differently now moves so you you know you can't um, I, but I just going back to it I just feel like the Welsh public now is on a bit of a hide into nothing really now because if Wales do well they're going to say Stephen Jones brought in all these new moves have <laughs> uh, done all this positively for training um, and if Wales lose they're going to blame Howley so yeah it is a bit unfortunate but I think Stephen Jones, you know, he's he's a great man. He's a great one of the most you know skillful players I've ever played with. And rugby brain is phenomenal. He's he's played he's trained many of these you know players for Wales with the Scarlets. Um, so it's, he's not he's not a, you know he's a familiar face. He's not someone they've just brought in you know randomly. So I think Stephen will have a really positive effect on on, on the team. Um, and in the training sessions that he is doing, he'd be running his own skills skill uh, sessions, etc. So yeah, it's it's a good move. I mean, we're talking and we mentioned earlier on the try scoring. To me, you know, the Wales back three is phenomenal when, you know, it's on song. And in the warm-up games, and for far, far too long for me, we just haven't seen enough of them. Is it a question of them looking for more work or being more positive when counter-attacks uh, present themselves or, or what? Because... To me, Wales need to get them into the game as often as they can. I, I honestly think you can't coach, you know, being instinctive. Look at the All Blacks back three, the possession they had against South Africa. They didn't have that much possession, but as soon as they get a sniff of that try line or a turnover, they, they instinctly, the, the rugby players, I think, you know, foremost, you can't you can't tr- coach that into you, what, what they've got. Uh, I don't think we have that in the Welsh team at the moment. I think, you know, we got some great players uh, who can play to a structure, but... You know, instinctive are they rugby players? I don't think so. You know, not like the best teams like New Zealand, etc. So, but yeah, there was a, Josh Adams was a positive today for me. Um, you know, I think he'd five five line breaks, hundred odd meters. Uh, one tried to show for it, but he looked really dangerous. George North can get into the game a bit more for my liking. I know he scored that try at the end, but it needs to be coming looking for work, especially against Australia and and Fiji and going into the quarters. Hopefully, well, we're going to chat about those just as a general. Proposition: Do you think Wales have got the squad depth and the talent to uh, to go all the way? Uh, injuries aside, I th- I think we you know we'll get out of the pool, um, and I'm hoping we can go further in the quarterfinals. But I'm not quite sure. Uh, as, you know, I think there's some strong teams out this year and really open World Cup: Ireland, England, New Zealand, Australia. All look at South Africa. You know, I think they. Yeah, they're looking a lot stronger than us at the moment. I, I mean, it's, it just depends how you know Gatland usually peaks his players just right. And coming into this tournament, we didn't have a great build-up. 
and the pre-warm-up games. You know, we had two hard camps to to Turkey. Um, so it's, it's wait and see. Hopefully, Wales can get go stronger as the tournament goes on. But uh, I'm not quite sure at the moment. I think uh, out of the pool is probably our best chance. Well, England started off their campaign with a 35-3 bonus point uh, victory over Tonga. But I think underwhelming is a phrase that a lot of people are using. I don't think that's unfair. Let's speak to George Shooter, regular contributor to the podcast and co-host, former England hooker and World Cup finalist himself. Hello, George. Hello, Maura. Eddie Jones was a quick to stress that the tournament is a marathon and not a sprint. However... Um, if you're going to run a marathon, you want to start off uh, jogging fairly smoothly and not stuttering about. Um, yeah. And England did that. What do you think the reason for that was? Uh, you know, it's difficult to say, really. I, I think they looked so um, slick and, and uh, together during the, the friendlies. I guess perhaps we, we got a bit of a false sense of uh, security with England, perhaps. Uh, and you forget, actually, how much um, uh, of an impact uh, an opening World Cup match can have on people's psyche, you know, as, a lot of guys out there who've not played in the World Cup before, uh, on both sides of, of, of the ball, actually, and um, you know that does that does play a, a role. Is the getting used to conditions, the uh, the underfoot and, and the atmospheric conditions. So, yeah, it will be very frustrating. There were times Eddie Jones was seen on TV banging the table <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, but the bottom line is, England have come away from the first group game uh, against a sort of a sticky opponent with with a bonus point win. Uh, and a defensive, uh, defensive. Uh, well, no tries conceded. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be frustrating, and, and you, you, you want to expect England to be better than that next hit out, and they'll need to be better than that further down the road. But uh, yeah, it, it is early in the tournament, and there are a couple of uh, big positives from England. The former Vitoji was very good, and Manu Tuilangi. Now, there are a lot of people um, new to rugby who actually haven't seen <laughs> Tuilangi play. You know anything like. Uh, what we know he can yeah. play. That was a taster. If he stays fit, and I think it's crucial, I think we all agree it's crucial, yep. how much more can he get? How much more can we bring from well, him? I mean, if, if, he, if he gets back to full fitness and, and back to his form of sort of seven years ago, 2012, big ask, I know, but back then he was one of the best players in the world and uh, who can forget him taking New Zealand apart at Twickenham, uh, winning them one. Um, he... he whether he can get back to that again now, he's nine years older, uh, sorry, seven years older, and uh, uh, there's a bit more mileage on the clock. The, the injuries do slow you down, no matter who you are. Um, but if he can get somewhere near that, then we've got one of the potentially one of the players of the tournament uh, wearing an England shirt, and that's uh, that's great news. It's again, that's it's early days for him. It's early days to be sort of banging the drum and calling him a saviour. Uh, we, we, we've done that before on a few occasions, and there have been false starts due to his, his injury uh, uh, malhaps, or should, should we say? Um, but yeah, I, I, if, if he I mean, he started off in the uh, the friendly games very well. He looked very powerful, very lean, very fit. Um, and he's he's picked up where he left off uh, against Tonga at the weekend. Hi, George. It's uh, Lee Byrne here, mate. Hello, Byrne. How are you, uh, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Um, USA up next on Thursday. Uh, what changes can you see Eddie Jones making, uh, personal and and in the gameplay? Um, I, I don't think there'll be too much game planning change. Uh, I mean, we're, we're 
on a sort of road to the World Cup now. So it's it's very difficult to sort of keep chopping and changing. They want to they want to get a, a style um, and and get get the players used to playing that. Uh, I'd imagine there'll be a few changes up front. There's I mean someone like Billy Billy has played a lot of rugby. You know, granted he's been out of injury for a while, so there's, there's a possibility they'll shuffle the back row resources a bit. Um, prop wise, they've, they've got a got a good depth of props and. Uh, some of them have got game time on the weekend, but there might be some changes there. Um, I, I guess a lot of it depends on what he what his long term plans is with the ten twelve or ten midfield uh, conundrum. Whether he's actually sort of hung his hat on George Ford playing ten and Farrell at twelve, or actually whether Henry Slade comes back in and Manu moves to twelve, and the sort of the, the, the Farrell um, to Lange Slade combination comes in midfield. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not sure at all. I mean, I'm obviously an old front row forward, so I don't understand these complicated things. But um, I, I was convinced that that, that uh, Farrell will be, will be ten in England's uh, big games in the World Cup, and I, I still have an inkling that's going to be the case. Because uh, I mean, <laughs> there was no. I mean, George Ford has had a fantastic season at Leicester in in a pretty adverse circumstances. Played well for England of late uh, on the front foot, but I just do think Eddie Jones can be a bit cagey at times and I think he'd prefer the, the uh, safety net of having uh, Owen Farrell at 10 just to sort of guide the game around rather than someone like George Ford who's, who's very much a go-forward player. Well, I think you're probably right. I mean, Slade, um, he, he looked to have a bit of a knock on his knees almost and you don't know how that is but you've also got Joseph there who's uh, yep. looked impressive. Look, you expect maximum bonus points against the USA. I'm pretty sure They'll get those. What about this? The two sevens, Underhill and um, Curry. Do you think that works? Do you think uh, he's going to be tempted to repeat it in the big games and i.e. France and Argentina? Yeah, I mean, again, this is an area I thought that um, Eddie Jones had made his mind. I think Mark Wilson was probably the standout player for England over over the last sort of twelve months of fixtures. Uh, obviously, Billy Vanapola is nailed on at number eight. Um, but I mean, Curry and Underhill, uh, they've they've got a, they've made they've given him a real headache. They're both both playing. But I thought actually Underhill, Underhill was very very quietly good on uh, the weekend. He made some very very big runs, and he's uh, he's a lot quicker than you, you sort of give him credit for. I think he pops up all over the place. And Curry, Curry, we know what what a good player he could potentially be. So that's that's a real headache for Eddie Jones now. And and um, I guess uh, come the French game, come the Argentinian game, we'll obviously see what he has in mind in terms of his first choice uh, back row. I, I do prefer the balance with uh, a guy like uh, Mark Wilson at six, and then either Underhill or Curry at seven. I think it's just a better balance of the back row. But I mean England. I saw Australia um, made, made a big success of the Pocock-Hooper uh, pairing. Uh, perhaps that's what Eddie Jones got in the back of his mind. But that's, that's um, a really big selection issue, and particularly if they all stay fit. I mean, the Curry and Underhill have had their injury issues, obviously Billy Vipola as well, so it may be that his hand gets forced. But, um, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a tough decision to make so that, between those sort of four players, I think. Well, France, uh, typically French, good first half against Argentina. Then in the end, you could make a case from being a bit lucky and had Argentina had a bit more poise and being able to spot the long pass when there were glaring uh, overlaps, then they might well have won. Um, barring um, injuries and all sorts of other things, all things being equal, etc., etc., do you think either of them have enough to, to beat England? Uh I, I, I don't think so. I mean, actually, I was really uh, quite disappointed with Argentina, particularly in the first half. I just think they looked uh, 
very flat. They didn't look anything like the, uh, the sort of the. I mean, the first game of the World Cup against the French, I was expecting them to be you know, bulging eyeballs and, and all that. But they were very subdued in the first half. The scrum went well, um, which will be pleasing for them. But not not much else. They didn't have any zip in attack. They, um, I, I do think they, they need a, they, they don't have a ten really to run the game, and I think that really cost them when, when it comes to the, the bigger bigger games, particularly as we've watched them in the rugby championship. That when push comes to shove, they just don't have enough uh, direction from the fly-off position. I don't think to to really uh, challenge. But then, um, you know, in the second half, they they were they were almost a different team, and I, I think actually probably out of the two of them, uh, I think Argentina would probably stand a better chance against England just simply because they're uh, a bit more physical up front I think they've got a bit more now so um, if they can sort their sort of game plan going forward out then I think they've got a real chance the, the, the French have got some fantastic players and I think Dupont and Penho and uh, all, all the, uh, the, young, the young guys who we, whose dads we played against uh, <laughs> they seem to be um, I think Untermack was looked, uh, looked very good they've got some fantastic players I just don't it, I just don't see them stringing it together for 60-70 minutes which is what you need uh, to consistently to do to, to, to well firstly get out of the pool and get into the knockout stages but then actually progress um, and I, I do think there's a real question about their pack I don't think uh, their front five is particularly powerful in the set piece and I don't think it's particularly dominant in, in, in ball carrying so actually they're, they're almost playing with one hand time they're the back at times Well we won't have long to wait but thanks very much I think at this point it's right to give a special mention to the Tongan back rower, Nasi Manu, who was diagnosed with testicular cancer last year, but he made a full recovery and came off the bench yesterday. So good to see him back. Lee, obviously, very difficult after one game, but we were chatting earlier about England's depth in their squad. Good enough to go all the way? probably won't be liked for this in Wales but yeah I, I think they are um, I really do I, you know the, the, I know you can't look much into the games into the warm-up games um, you know been said in the past but I just like the way you know that they play in the power they've got um, the strength and depth they got you know it's, it's I think this got to be the strongest going into this World Cup even you know better than New Zealand it's just uh, the questions on everyone's mind is if they go behind have they got the ability to come back and win games you know they've shown in the past they haven't um, for me that'd be the only question mark but physically personnel um, I think they have they've definitely got the ability there well one of the big clashes over the weekend was Ireland versus Scotland it turned out not to be much of a competition after only a few minutes Ireland eventually stretching out 27-3 winners over Scotland. Let's discuss that with uh, Liam Tolan, the former Leinster and Munster back row, and now uh, the Irish Times journalist. A perfect start for Ireland, bonus point against Scotland, but you do have to question this, whilst uh, Ireland were impressive, and how bad was Scotland, and uh, to what degree did both of those affect the result? I think I, I was fascinated, uh, Brian, by the pre-match interview by Gregor Townsend, who, um, it was kind of a throwaway comment, but it was still an answer. He was asked by the interviewer at pitch size, what did he say to his team as the last thing before he left the pitch? And he simply said, uh, he asked them to deliver your best performance. And that struck me as something very interesting. It was a throwaway comment, but... Joe Smith doesn't look for the best performance from his players. He looks for his players to do their job. And I think that was the fundamental difference, that Ireland didn't do a whole lot, really, of sensational, eye-opening rugby, but their pack, their front five, 
were ruthless in how they went about doing their job. And there was a, a number of examples of that in the match. I think Gary Ringrose took a ball or outside centre and took it off uh, around the, the side of a defensive fringe. And Anthony Watson uh, came in and the, the, the open side for Scotland and just really threatened that ball and the two props Keane Healy and Tyke Furlong came in and smashed you question maybe their technique but they absolutely smashed uh, Hamish Watson and knocked him back and the, the, the threat of losing the ball was gone Ireland kept the ball and, and, and Gary Ringos was safe. That was a subtle difference. The Irish lineup was 12 out of 12. The Irish scrum was, was very impressive. Um, the back three that we were worried about, um, in particular Jordan Larmour, thought stood up. And if you just look at Andrew Conway, the, the right winger for Ireland, his work ethic and his general play was fantastic. And then you look at where Scotland have threats. For me, uh, I have a real concern about Greg Laidlaw starting at nine. I think Ali Price, the scrum half of Kimah, made a huge difference. But the front five just didn't give them a platform. I was very disappointed with Johnny Gray um, and Gilchrist. They just didn't give an impact. And you look then at the full back, the real threat, Stuart Hogg. Huge involvement in the opening 20 minutes, but really didn't influence the game. In fact, a lot of errors crept in. So himself and Russell didn't impact the game. And I think part of that was their front five, the Scottish front five, that is, simply didn't give them the platform. Well, when the weather, you know, closed in, the rain came and the game was won by then. Ireland quite rightly just said, you know, we've got our what we want out of this game. You play from a long way away. And Scotland just couldn't do that. It looks as though um, the sort of traditional tight style of play, which saw them go and beaten into 2018 um, and the precision that was there is, is back at least in part. Good enough to beat Scotland, but likely to have probably South Africa in the quarterfinals um, good enough to beat them well I think that we must temper the performance look Ireland needed to win this game and needed to win it in the manner that they did because of the the, 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 the question marks coming into the game about the line out about Rory Best etc now the big thing is I think we need to I agree with you Brian you need to temper our emotions a bit and realise that Ireland put in a, a superb shift but worryingly for Scotland uh, they didn't allow Scotland to play clearly but there's a clear question can Scotland play as well so I think you're 100% right the fixture list for us is very fortuitous we play um, Japan next weekend then we've Russia so the the Ireland B team will play against Russia so the Stars will play again this weekend and they have maybe two and a half three weeks lead into that South African game if that's who we play which looks like it and now Joe Smith's entire uh, machine switches to that I don't know what exact game plan is going but if we go gunfight to gunfight I think we're going to be in trouble because there's a huge that, that's South African side what they did to the All Blacks in the opening 20 minutes would put the fear of God into anybody it really would and I don't think we have the athletes to be able to compete with that so do we have a, a broader game that's going to move them around and I think we have a much better kicking game than the All Blacks have so we certainly have a lot of different strengths that the All Blacks don't have so it's going to be really really interesting the most important thing is getting that win and in the manner of it it takes a lot of pressure off Rory Best and a lot of pressure off the lineouts and a lot of pressure off other aspects of the game um, and now there's a, a selection question does, does Rob Carney come back in etc cetera, etc cetera. who fills the midfield does Henshaw come back in and what role would, would Carberry have so it's a good place Ireland put them into but I think you're right uh, we'd be foolish to think that we're ready for South Africa we've a lot of, lot of work to do before we get there Hello Liam uh, Lee Byrne here um, How are you doing, Lee? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Uh, much of Ireland's form in 2018 and in the past couple of years has been underpinned by Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton. Uh, how do you think they performed on the weekend? 
Very interestingly, I think Conor Murray it wasn't given enough credit the, the amount of test matches he's played for Ireland, for Munster and for the Lions and then you factor in his injury his neck injury as well and other niggling injuries I looked all through the Six Nations he looked wrecked he looked like a guy not himself he looked a shadow of himself I think they've managed him expertly well he looks very comfortable in his brief he looked very very comfortable at the weekend I thought he was back to his energetic best um, Sexton there's huge concerns of is the guy fit we don't know and when the Irish management are saying we don't know what messages, key messages, is the guy able to kick uh, or not? So we're very worrying. There's no doubt, Lee, if we want to progress beyond South Africa, we need those two guys at their absolute best. If they're not at their absolute best, all other bets are off. And there's a real concern. I have no concerns over Conor Murray now. I thought he did really, really well. Real concerns over Sexton and his fitness levels and being able to absolutely manage the, the game. And we know the style of game he plays too. He just loves taking the ball the last nanosecond on the gain line before releasing it to outside backs and he just gets continuously smashed yeah. so if he's carrying a leg thigh problem it's gonna it's, the, the South Africans will find us put it that way <laughs> just a final question before you go the rest of the pool games on paper at least I'm not saying they look easy because none of these are but they look reasonably straightforward have you any real concerns about any of the sides um, producing a surprise against you? I think, I think, look, the Russia game, I spoke to Mark McDermott, who's, who's, uh, I played with him here in Ireland, and he's now uh, the scrum coach and breakdown coach in Russia. They have, it's an amazing story, Brian, what Russia are trying to do to get their rugby together. I don't think they're going to provide us with a, with a, with a problem. I'm not entirely sure Western Samoa in terms will threaten the, our fixtures, their last game of the pool. Potential injuries can come from Western Samoa, as you well know. The worry for me is Jamie Joseph did something really interesting with Japan. About 12 months ago, he, he appointed himself the Sunwolves assistant or head coach of the B team, the reserve team, and he took an awful lot of the Russia, or the Japanese players into his training squad. And he spent about 12 months just drip-feeding rugby matches and entirely preparing them for the rugby season that they're facing now in the World Cup. I think they were very jittery and nervous in the opening game, which is understandable. I think they're going to be an awful lot better than we saw them against Russia. So I think if there's a threat, I think it's a game that Ireland simply can't take lightly. And I'd expect to Ireland to put in their strongest side because I think the jump that Japan will have between the game against Russia and us will be huge and that will provide a threat. Clearly we'll be the strong strong um, favourite, but that's, the, that's my worry. That game could could provide us with a couple of challenges that we, we need to think our way around. Well, potential pitfalls. This is what a World Cup is like, as you know. But at least Ireland, uh, at the moment, they look uh, to have found some part of their mojo, which is a good point of view for you and their supporters. Thanks very much for joining us, Liam. OK, Brian, take care. Top Bye. man, thank you. Scotland, uh, Lee, what can you say? I mean, I tell you what... Usually, at least with Scotland, you, you you can guarantee they'll be dogged. They'll you know they'll be cussed because for whatever else they lack in terms of resources and so on, that's uh, usually something they're able to supply. And we didn't even see that. I just can't. I cannot. Fathom, I can't. Just can't fathom how it went so badly wrong. Yeah, and you know, look into the the build up. You know, they had France, Georgia, home and away. Are they undercut coming into this tournament and? You look at the other teams and they're saying, have they played too many games? I don't think so. Um, you know, yeah, it was it, were a, it was a terrible performance from Scotland on the weekend. They'd be absolutely, 
yeah, they'd be they'd be tamping with it, and they got Japan to come in next as well. And there's always a, a surprise in a World Cup, as you know. Uh, Japan, uh, sorry, Japan against uh, South Africa four years ago. I, I really don't know. I, I just got this feeling Japan might turn Scotland over. <laughs> I just well, it's the last uh, game of the pool, so who, I mean, who knows where the injury situation is going to be? Yeah, and you know, if Scotland are going to get out of the pool, they'll have to do it without flanker Hamish Watson because he's going to miss the tournament with a knee injury suffered during the game the Edinburgh club mate Magnus Bradbury will replace him he's had a wretched um, series of uh, injuries and you feel very sorry for him but without him and he was probably the only whilst he was on the only guy who was even competitive at the breakdowns where Ireland annihilated Scotland yeah and leading up to the Six Nations he was absolutely immense when he came on in the in the last couple of games you know we've seen the impact he had uh, so he's going to be a massive loss um, yeah it's just about Scotland just regathering it now and you know as I said building some momentum what they have left I know it's only the first game you know we're talking like they're already out but uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of rugby to play so you know they, they'll still be optimistic again out of the pool but I'm not sure they can Full Contact in association with Mitsubishi Motors everyone's ambitions are different you can climb to the top or you could take on uphill battles of a different kind you can explore for hundreds of miles or you could begin a bigger journey you can make time fly or you could make it stand still the Mitsubishi SUV range. Drive your ambition. Well, the tie of the weekend, if not the tournament, some people were saying, was obviously New Zealand and South Africa. It turned out that New Zealand were winners, 23-13. Time to speak to the former All Black legend. No, you're not a former legend. You're always a legend. Um, former All Black. Zinzan Brooks on the line. Hello, Zinny. Hello, how are you? Okay, mate. In the end, nine minutes possession in the first half, going 17-3 up, despite it be having 20 minutes under the cosh. Uh, what aspects of that will have pleased the All Blacks in particular? What aspects? Yeah. Um, well, look, they can uh, they can uh, respond when the uh, when the questions are asked. You know, I felt that the All Blacks were. Uh, outplayed in the, probably in the, in the, the first uh, 18 to 20 minutes, but uh, there was a little wee um, um, a window that opened up uh, in about four minutes, and then uh, the All Blacks uh, punished the South Africans by um, making it rather easy for the All Blacks by kicking the ball down their throat, and uh, New Zealand's responded in, the, in, in, in classic fashion by re, um, by by running it and uh, scored two quick tries. I don't think many people necessarily understood the Borden Barrett change to 15. Not just a case of bringing my in, but more when you saw this game, just how potent Barrett can be as a receiver, you know, off loose phase when the game opens up. He just appears, he's got that uh, influence, and you saw that work really well. Do you think it's likely to be repeated? Um... Well, I think they just—I I just think they just need to have the cover because we've lost uh, McKenzie. Um, we've lost McKenzie, and I think they actually wanted to have uh, some cover for, for Ben Smith, uh, just in case um, that, that situation arises. Yes, and I know that uh, just—you know—that um, he's the, the incumbent uh, number ten, but. Uh, 
what, the, the quality of what he can what he can do is to ch- change positions. Just you know, you know, one test match playing at ten and then straight away um, he can play fifteen. So he's an exceptional uh, exceptional individual. But um, yeah, you can't underestimate the quality of what uh, both Burt can bring to him. And when when there's an opportunity that arises, which uh, which there, which there will be, he, he can he can punish punish uh, very good sides. Hello, Zinni. It's uh, Bernie. It is, mate. Lee Byrne. How are things? Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How's the golf? Golf's <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Right, New Zealand's path to the semi-final now looks pretty straightforward. Canada, Nibia and Italy in their pool. How do you expect Steve Hansen to manage the squad for the remainder of the tournament? Well, look, they, they've just got to keep, they've got to keep the, uh, the tempo up. I don't think you're going to see much, too many uh, changes of what the, uh, the, the style that they've, they've played. Uh, and, and then try and actually build it up to uh, build it up into a into a quarter final. But you know, even even at this moment of time here, with a you know, even if you look just just one game after the uh, after the pool games, yeah, the quarter final, the potential is right here and now that we're going to be coming up against either uh, uh, either Scotland, uh, which on their on their performance, which they um, I, I thought that they were were very very poor, but. Look, I know we can. They can. They can perform better. But Steve Hansen's just got to keep the, the, the tempo in the same sort of style and um, and just keep the tempo and just keep the tempo up. Um, that's that's that, that's pretty much. I don't know. You're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna have the potential is which whichever side actually uh, they feel Steve Hansen and Co feel. I uh, I, I think you're gonna see uh, some 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 high scores. Coming, coming in here because I've watched some of the, uh, the couple of teams and watching the movie the other day, and uh, yeah, I think they're going to get, um, I think they're going to get punished. Well, social media was once again questioning some of the refereeing performances. You know, this always happens. I think some of your compatriots still going about Wayne Barnes, um, but one of the more important things, um, a lot of people, like me included, felt there was too much. Uh, leeway given around offside, uh, in and around the breakdown. Um, what, what was your impression? Not just in this uh, game, in, in in all the opening games. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, I, I think that comes back to the end of the, uh, I think more. Well, I think it's got to come back down to like the the high tackling. I like the stance of that zero tolerance on uh, on the high tackles, um, and and the same situation on the uh, on, on the offside. These guys, the. They're trying to uh, push the uh, push the boundaries and, uh, and keep them off keep them um, keep them offside. I just I just feel that the referees should just should just punish them. Um, and, and I have I have felt that these uh, in, in, in a couple of games certainly with uh, with some of the with some of the um, some of the games the referee decisions I have I do have uh, I have to scratch my head a few times to try and work out uh, their interpretation. So it hasn't been it hasn't been the best, but uh, it, what it has been is it has been consistent. Uh, Zinni, before you go, I know speaking to you um, during the middle of the week before the tournament started, um, yep. I wouldn't say you were nervous, but there was a little apprehension about how it might turn out. And so, on. are you happier now you've seen the All Blacks come through a game like that? Um, yes, yeah, I am because I, I was I was nervous because of the. Um, because of the performances coming right back to the Argentinian game, Argentinian, and then the Australia Australia game uh, in Perth, 
and then they respond. So there's a little bit of a um, a, a little bit uh, up and down. Uh, you know, certainly there was certainly up and down in, in their performances against the Bledisloe Cup games, and then I was concerned about you know the South Africa because I I felt the momentum uh, was with with, uh, with with South Africa. Uh, they're they're running, and Erasmus has has rallied their troops within the last uh, 12 to 18 months, and to 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 be uh, quite significant, and they've been they've been fantastic. And I just thought the the opportunity there was for South Africa to actually punish and and, and put down a statement right there and then, because I think they can. I I, haven't, I don't think we've seen the best of. I don't think we've seen the best of South Africa, and I think South Africa will actually come and uh, and play. And will physically intimidate a lot of the oppositions, but uh, in, in true in true style, the All Blacks actually embraced all what South Africa threw at them. Um, but I have to say that the All Blacks responded responded in a way that uh, that which was uh, very encouraging uh, going forward. I wouldn't say that was the the, the, the polished performance, but it's uh, it's 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 putting down a uh, it's putting down a marker just for everyone to go right. If you're gonna if you're gonna uh, if you're going to come and win this World Cup, you've got to you got to make sure that you come and beat us, and you have to beat them with quality, and not um, and not just uh, think that you're going to physically intimidate them, which South Africa uh, did for for a period of time, but it wasn't consistent enough. Uh, Zinni, great to speak to you as always. Thanks very much. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Lee, just just showed so little possession. Bang bang, two tries. Of all the teams, you you just cannot afford to be loose against the. Uh, Kiwis, and a lot of people talk about this, that, and the other. But for me, it's simply this: they do the basics more often under pressure than other teams do. And it looks simple, but it's not, and we know it's not. Making sure you're in the right line, making sure your depth is right, making sure the pass is in front so you don't have to slow down. All those things, and the reason you know they're very good is it looks so simple, but it's not. Yeah, I've been on the end of it quite a few times. You know, you you're, you think you're in the game 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and uh, you know, one mistake, you look up off the bottom of a ruck and they're the other end of the field and you you haven't even got off the floor yet. It's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, they're the only team that, that are capable of doing it. Like you said, they do the basics so well. Um, I don't think there's many teams that like them. You know, I watched some footage today of the new camera uh, images from, from the World Cup and you can, you know, it's, it's basically, you can see how quick... The All Blacks play. Um, New Zealand, uh, sorry, South Africa threw everything at them, um, and like Zinni rightly said, you know they, they they put a marker down on the weekend and said, look, you know this is, you know if we're not we're not coming for this, you know throw everything you can at us, and like I said, one or two mistakes by South Africa and they, they got punished and uh, South Africa will get better but I, th- I can see that being the final um, I can see the repeat of that being the World Cup final but New Zealand are going to get better and so are South Africa but they're just incredible and the, the stars they have uh, and produce you know every World Cup there's a, there's a new star Well I mean it's cliched but just shows if you have 20 minutes like South Africa did you better put points away <laughs> Yeah you better put 50 on it and even, and even you know I don't care if you're just incrementally scoring in threes, it's important that you keep the scoreboard ticking over against them because people, you know, forget, you know, three penalties or triple penalty drop goal, that's a converted try. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, but you must keep it going forward. And going forward, one of the reasons why I think if England have all their ball carriers and play well, they do attack in a different way to South Africa. South Africa... You know, were very direct. It's one or two out wherever they're playing, and they're hitting. They were 
Going to go down the blind side. To me, you simply have to vary the point of contact because they're so good, they give very few penalties away. If you don't pull the defence and ask more questions about them first of tackling, you just don't get the forward ball and then they've shown they're quite capable of soaking pressure up and then responding You know when they get there. Yeah, that's right. You know, England. I've got the you know the Farrell um, Ford. You know, they have got Daly Watson. They got these these runners. South Africa have got the likes of Chelsea and Colby. You know, but that's one-off bits of magic. Um, that you know that's going to happen two or three times in a game. England have you know the capable art of doing that, like you said, and, and shortening up New Zealand's uh, defence. So. Yeah, it's, like I said, I think they've heard it all before. And even going behind in games, New Zealand, we've seen them come back in the 82nd minute. You know, that you just got to be, you've got to have your, you've got to play your World Cup game every game, I think, to beat, to beat New Zealand. Uh, Lee, you were part of the Welsh squad in New Zealand in 2011, and I covered that whole tournament in Wales. You know, tremendous success until it all went famously wrong in the semi-final. What are your memories of that? Well, the memories of the World Cup are not great. I never played for Wales again after 2011. So, <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I started the first game in Namibia. Um, yeah, scored a try in that game. Started against Fiji. And then after that, you know, um, certain Mr Halfpenny came along. And, yeah, I was... Surplus to requirements, but you know, in fairness, he, he was it was a breakthrough year for him that year. Um, deserved his, his his opportunity, and yeah, Wales deserve we deserve to get to the semi final at least. Um, and then we all know what happened there with the the red card to Sam. You know, it was uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. But what was the feeling like in the dressing room afterwards? Oh, I, you know, you can't can't describe it really. I don't think I don't think we really you know. We we obviously knew it was a semi final. We didn't realise, you know, the severity of it. I didn't think it sink, sunk in for you know, myself for a couple of days later. At least, you know, imagine how you know Sam was feeling as well at the time. It just it totally, you know, we we were all watching and you were commentating on it. It, it totally, I think, it spoiled the spectacle of the whole game. Was there a feeling that you'd been cheated in some way? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I th- personally, I you know I can say this. I I you know you look at it. I think it was a red card. Um, I know I was obviously playing for Wales, um, but when you look back at it, it was the right decision probably at the time. So, yeah, but it was just the, the manner, obviously, semi final and the whole spectacle of it and the expectation. I think we could have gone on. Well, you've seen what happened in the final. Um, mm. You know, it was France run them close. So I think you know. Well, if it had been a different referee, they might well have won. That. Yeah, exactly. So it pro- possibly could have been our best chance, you know, to win a World Cup. <laughs> Well, actually, funny enough, I mean, Sam Warburton described the tackle in his book as one of the best of his career. He said it was never a red, but um, you can't say he's entirely uh, neutral on this. For a lot of people from the outside, and I was a disinterested spectator uh, on this, I could see why it was. It just came at a sort of time you'd seen other things, and in a semi-final, just a leap on this, it, it, it... if, it, if that standard had been applied throughout the whole World Cup, then there would be no element of doubt whatsoever. For a lot of people, um, even neutrals, it just seemed, oh, this is the one where we're going to make an example. Well, yeah. there are lots of other things going on. Um, so, you know, you, you've got that. And as, as you say, I don't think there was... I tell you what, it's like this. It's not until you get to a final or you get to a win that you understand how close you've got with a semi-final, isn't it? Because yeah. you've not got that experience. Exactly. And, and perhaps you know, that was something for the Welsh players. I think there was a feeling that they'd, that they'd got further than they thought they might 
But when you get the opportunity, which is a one, you've got to take it irrespective of whether you're underdogs or you didn't think you were going to be there or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's not got rugby and you never know how far you're going to get. Um, and I, like you said, the inconsistency of referees, that that World Cup was, was terrible. And if that was that tackle now, it definitely would be a send-off. But back then, you know, the things like that, worse things like that were going on and it wasn't a red. So, yeah, the inconsistency was, was I think, how we... You know why we were so annoyed by it. Um, yeah, and until you get to that semi-final, like you said, we probably didn't feel like we, you know, believe honestly, could we win it? I think Gatland's even come out and said that this is a this World Cup is Wales's best team they've ever had. So obviously that tells you he probably didn't think we could get that far. So yeah, we've put chance gone begging really. Well, it's Australia up next. For a long time, Wales just could not get over the line against Australia. That's now gone by the by. If you'd have asked this question a year ago, not many people would have given Australia a prayer. But anyone who has watched any World Cup know that Australia, however they do it, they do not turn up to World Cups and be uncompetitive. They just don't. And it won't be anything different against Wales. Um, How do you feel about that game? What, if anything, do you see them doing differently? What do you think is needed to make sure they get the win? Yeah, you know, Michael Check. It was under so much pressure last year. It was incredible, you know. And then they turned that. They went to beat New Zealand. Then everybody was saying, "Here we go again." Then they lost thirty nine nil the next game. <laughs> so it's been up and down for Australia. They're so stubborn. Come World Cups, um, and their backline is looking incredibly dangerous at the moment. Kirindrani, uh, Will Genya, you know, they're just ageless and. Uh, I think they're going to have their hands full. Like I said, they've been put through a workout today defensively, but Georgia didn't go through five phases. You know, with Kirtley Beal, etc. These guys, they're going to be running it from everywhere. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, it's just about you know defensively um, and looking after the threats on the wings. Like I said, Kirindrani is is absolutely incredible at the moment. So yeah, they're going to have their hands full, and uh, I'm hoping we can come out of that game with a win well, I mean well all this is predicated on the game from football I mean everything is much easier when you're going forward and one of the things that Wales have been able to do they've been able to show the game light up game line up the first up tackling has been good and then when breaks have been made the scramble defence has been good so I would have thought they'll major very heavily on making sure that any Australian runner does not get even a sniff of getting over the game line and then everything else is different yeah uh, like Jonathan Davis and Hadley Parks they, they were okay today I think that they're going to have their hands full on the, on the weekend Gareth Davis you know a lot is going to be coming off nine I think for Wales against Australia that's how they like you said they're going to shorten them up in the midfield and then try and go wide but yeah it's a different animal even with Fiji as well after us I know we're looking ahead after that but um, it's, it's a difficult group that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph and Mitsubishi Motors. Thank you very much to my co-host Lee Byrne and thank you to all our guests. Make sure you check in with us every Monday here on Full Contact throughout the Rugby World Cup and thereafter we'll have all the latest news, previews, reviews and debate during the competition. Please do subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode during the Rugby World Cup and beyond. And write a review whilst you're there, if you have time. But for now, it's goodbye.